Dukes has twang. Does your mayo have it? Do you ask for it by name when you go out to eat? Do you display your devotion to it for all the world to see? Can it elevate your lime cilantro aioli to a level that's borderline holy? If not, you're probably using the wrong mayo. That's because only Duke's mayo has twang. It's that little southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Get Duke's. It's got twang. Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Graham Lincoln MacLean podcast presented by Duke's Mayo, episode 245, the Cheez It Bowl. We are previewing the Cheez It Bowl between Florida State and Oklahoma. We have a very special guest. I do want to warn people if this episode does not turn out well, I just looked out my window and a black cat just walked <laughs> right across my window. So if this episode is terrible. You find the cat and blame him. I'm just going to put that out there. I, I thought that you were discussing your conflict of interest with Cheez-Its and Duke's I Mayo. Do love I love I thought that that was what you were talking about. Like if we were going to get a cease and desist or something of that nature. I love Cheez-Its. I will not lie there. And Prince Chedward is one of my heroes slash one of my nightmares. He's very scary looking. But And I, I hope that he flies into the stadium again and course, just yes. has his moment. He's a short king. But beyond that, I'm obviously very loyal to Duke's Mayo. Of course. Uh, question question for you. How much amount of money, and maybe the answer is zero, which is great, uh, would it take to dip your Cheez-It in Duke's Mayo as a delicacy? You know, I would do you that. You would try it. You would try it. I would do that. <laughs> now, it's so funny. Okay, we'll just say this. We got to get this interview. I'm sorry, everybody. You've probably seen on social media that I am pregnant. So that's happening. And so Surprise, all everybody. this time, yeah, 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 yeah. All this time when we've been talking about mayo and the, like, Mac knows I was very nauseous at the beginning. Some of these things, like, even when we were talking about dunking you in mayo, I had to kind of, I had to almost take, tune out of take the Take a step back. <laughs> because a few times there I was like, Oh this, yeah, this is gonna be bad. Oh, the black cat's bad. back, literally walking across again. Can you show? I, can you show us? I cannot. No, no I mean okay. I'll break everything. But I think he's moving on. <laughs> Get away from me, black cat! I don't need that right now. This is unbelievable. Okay, let me introduce our guest because <laughs> this guy that. is unbelievable. Dylan Gibbons uh, from FSU. The story you have to know it. This young man has won every award under the sun, and as he should from the work that he's done. Uh, but he'll be the first to tell you, and we cover this a little bit. He doesn't want any of that. That's not why he sure. does that, but does understand that that's a cool pedestal that, that he is on now, uh, that all this comes to light and, and all the support, all the great things uh, you know that, that he is able to do because of people like you and your contributions and the things that you have done for Big Man Big Heart. So that was really cool. And then just him as a player and as a leader for this FSU team, KG, I really enjoyed this interview. Uh Probably my favorite that we've ever yeah, done, just, just from all that it encompassed. Uh, so without further ado, no more black cat talk, no more dipping uh, anything into Duke's Mayo. Let's <laughs> get to our guy, Dylan Gibbons, because this is a great interview.
Dylan, welcome to the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. And I think the first question I have to ask is actually a question for Mac. Mac, we're sitting here and we're looking at Dylan. Are you having just beard jealousy and FOMO? Because you used to have a beard that rivaled Dylan's, but now you don't. I've got this clean, tight. I actually just trimmed it this morning, so I'm even more embarrassed now. It was a little bit more girthy, but... That, that, that's a real man that I'm looking at right now. And I, I am an embarrassment, a shell of what I once was. I just got to say that. The beard is looking great, Dylan. I appreciate it. It was a little bit longer at the beginning of season, but got ripped out too many places. Had to trim it up a little bit. <laughs> you would get pieces like ripped out in a game? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's not fun. Yeah. It, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, but it is, you know, a, a risk versus reward type scenario. <laughs> It's just like a dread. Like sometimes you see dreads like on the field. You're just like, wow, there's that. Oh, yeah. But you hope you can catch him with a hands to the face call. That's right. That's right. You guys are brave. You guys are brave. Okay. Well, Dylan, we are going to talk about the Cheez-It Bowl and just the year that you and the Seminoles have had. I mean, it's been an amazing year. But first, I want to start with Big Man, Big Heart, Inc., your nonprofit that, and I wrote this down because I want to get it right, promotes NCAA college athletes' use of their name, image, and likeness for charitable initiatives. And I believe from what I've read, this whole idea started with your friend, Timothy, who you met at Notre Dame. So can you tell us more about Timothy's story and how he inspired you? Yes, ma'am. So it kind of goes back to 2017. So my first year at Notre Dame, um, we, we went through camp, of course. And I know, I know Eric probably remembers this because he, he, you came in as a tight end, right? Got, That's got, right. Little guy. Line. Um, well, it takes a while to develop as an offensive lineman and very lucky, very, very few select individuals come in and play right away. Um, so the headspace of an offensive lineman is that you're, you're servicing the scout team, which isn't the most fun thing in the whole world, especially your first year, you know, year and a half of playing college football. So that, that's a headspace I was in. I was getting through my first game. I was really you know, excited to see my family. Um, and as I was walking out of Notre Dame Stadium, um, kind of facing touchdown Jesus and uh, going up through the tunnel. I was approached by like 30 or 40 little kids. Um, they all wanted my gloves. They all wanted the hat off my head. They all, they all wanted something from me. And I was scanning the crowd, just trying to make an impression on somebody. And um, that's when I met Tim- Timothy Donovan. Um, he was sitting in the back in the wheelchair. And um, I went over to talk to him. I thought it would be, uh, you know, a really quick conversation. But, you know, 15 minutes turned into 30, 30 turned into 45. My family came and found me and met the Donovan family. Um, and that's when we kind of got connected. Um, I got to hear about his story, the struggles that he's had with the disease called vacular and charcot marie tooth, um, the 50 plus surgeries he's gone through in his life, um, the trials and tribulations they've gone through as a family. Um, you know, his dad, dad's a Marine and um, has done some wonderful things for our country. And uh, bottom line, that, that's when we first met. Um, and from there, I always wanted to do something for him. Um, during my, my classes in Notre Dame, I studied management consulting which gave me a little taste for everything in business, you know, marketing, strategic planning, leadership, finance, accounting. Um, I had multiple classes where we were told to, you know, put something together, whether it was like a GoFundMe, for instance, or a plan or a a strategic, you know, plan for a business. And mine was big man, big heart. Um, That was enlightened by the fact that I have a brother um, that also played tight end back in the day and got switched off to tackle when he went to Stanford. He didn't have such a great story as far as his performance on the field, um, just because he, he ended up hurting his knee. Um, he blew out his knee twice, ended up going full circle and actually going to Notre Dame Law School while I was up there in undergraduate. Um, so with my brother's help and you know, with my whole family involved, uh, we kind of put a, a plan in, in place that if I was ever able to use my name and likeness, um, that I could start a nonprofit, that I could raise some money and I could help out people like Timothy Donovan individuals in the darkest corners of the earth that, that need their story told, um, to give somebody like Timothy their day in the sun. 
Um, so as it turned out, I had a great experience at Notre Dame. Of course, I went through my struggles. Timothy went through his over our four-year experience. Um, ended up transferring to Florida State, as you guys know. Um, and during that time period, the NCA came out and allowed us to use our name, image, likeness. Um, the state of Florida is actually one of the first states uh, to be able to, you know, to have that in action and for us to use our name, image, likeness. And, you know, uh, quarterbacks could make money, you know, get new sports cars or guys were signing underwear deals on that first day. You know, there's a lot, a lot of cringy things happening. Um, I, I wanted to add something refreshing to the equation, and, and that was a GoFundMe for my friend Timothy Donovan. Um, to get him to my first game, which at the time we were playing Notre Dame, uh, which is a little bit fresh in everybody's hearts. And uh, <laughs> as, we, as we got closer to the day, um, in 24 hours, we raised about $30,000 for Timothy and his family um, to help elevate his quality of life and provide a wonderful experience for him to come to the game and um, not really have any stresses. Um, so that turned from, from $30,000 into $90,000 within a month. Um, it was uh, kind of insane, right? And, and people, yes. you always told me, you're, you're always told to, you know, keep your eyes open for opportunities in life. And uh, that was an opportunity that I had to take advantage of. An opportunity that I, the only way I could see that is if I had my education from Notre Dame. Mm. Um, the amount of good that could be done um, by just some dumb offensive lineman, you know, some big ugly. And no one cares. No one cares about me. No one cares if, if, if I'm out there and unless I'm giving up a sack or getting a holding call or jumping off sides, you know. It's the only time you ever hear my name. <laughs> Well, as it turned out, I started Big Man Big Heart with that premise. I didn't name it, you know, Dylan Gibbons nonprofit. Um, I, I named it Big Man Big Heart, something bigger than myself and, and bigger than anybody else that's going to be involved. Um, so with that simple ambition, uh, we, we went ahead and applied ourselves to, to the IRS, ended up getting accepted and getting our, our, our charitable status invoked. And uh, we started off. Um, I, I, rec I recruited collegiate ambassadors from all over college football, individuals that had stories similar to me and Timothy Donovan. Individuals are going through struggles, you know, people, you know, dealing with natural disasters, you know, car crashes, uh, kids with uh, little kids with cancer, you know, the wor worst possible stories you could find um, to help people, not only on the, on the raising money side of things, but in the telling their stories. Um, and over the past two years that we've raised over half a million dollars for people in need. Um, and we've had over right now, it's over 50 million interactions uh, with the content we've posted to my Twitter, Instagram, um, and to the GoFundMe's themselves. Wow. Uh, so a lot of stories have been told. A lot of people's lives have been changed. And, and none of this would have been possible uh, without name and likeness. And the worst thing to think about is that it, if that ruling didn't come out, none of this would have been possible. Right. All these people's lives wouldn't have been changed. And yeah. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to do this, this much good. Um, so, of course, there are some bad, you know, bad, bad people to pick at and name them like this, some awful things happening across the country. There's always some shining lights. And uh, that's mm -hmm. something I, I hope I did during my experience at Florida State and something I, I hope my, my legacy will leave behind. How about that, man? Come on, bring it. Um, if there's not an award you haven't won yet, I, I think you're going <laughs> to win it based on that alone. Uh, just, just this effort. And I, I know. You know, being an offensive lineman, I get the mentality, everything that you just said, you know, th there's never anything positive you know, that we can possibly do, uh, you know, in, in a game or when you hear our name or, or see it in a press clipping. Um, and it's not about that. And that's not what this organization is about. It's not about you at all. But I'm happy that you have been rewarded. I'm happy that you have been on this massive stage to present all this good that can be done when people come together and rally and, and for a common good and a lot of common goods. And so, man, we can't be more proud of you. Your story has been so much fun to watch. I just wanted to ask the goal of this thing. When, when your time comes to an end, as, as that's ticking very quickly at Florida State, uh, what's the goal of this organization? What's your role going to be in this organization for, for maybe years to come? Yeah, so I think that it, it kind of points back to my own goals, right? And 
leaving Tallahassee and leaving the environment that I'm in, whether that be all of college football or just ACC football, in a better place than when I got here on the first day. Um, Big Man Big Heart has done that. Uh, but the continuation of our mission, the continuation of the support that we've offered to the ACC, to all of college football, um, that's something I, I hope to have. Um, with my family, with my support system, my brother Riley Gibbons is a great job. Uh, we'll be able to continue what we're doing with Big Man Big Heart. My collegiate ambassadors, you know, guys like Jordan Travis, people from all over the country that have stepped up, taken times out of their own lives and uh, taken money out of their own pockets uh, to help with these charitable causes. That's something that's going to continue. Um, so I, I really hope, and these awards, it's real weird and it's real, real awkward to be uh, getting awards for, for doing something, you know, for good. Right. Um, never really the intention. <laughs> but I, I hope that these awards help um, to educate more athletes in the power of doing good. Um, and the power of one offensive lineman with an idea um, and how they can help um, you know, raise attention to people in their lives going through struggles. I mean, the other day was a pretty powerful message. When we had a transfer, Greedy Vance, um, he ended up doing very well at Florida State this year, and he's, he's one, of, one of the best players in the league. Um, he, uh, he got to go home for the first time after we helped him out um, with, with, wow. some, with some hurricane issues that he had back home. And uh, he got to see the impact of that money, the impact of that fundraiser. And... Uh, that, that is something that I hope more people see because um, mm. people know athletes are going through struggles all the time, whether that be, you know, in, in town while you're at your university or back home off the field. People are going through things. We, we have players at Florida State show up on the first day um, living, living in their car, you know. Um, and I hope that athletes see that there's more that can be done, um, that name image like this isn't just about getting yours mm. and uh, that there's more people you can help while, you, while you're, you're at your, your universities and wearing yeah. those and playing football at an elite level. Where, where did that mindset come from? I mean, th- this is a, obviously, it, it's uncomfortable to ask for people for money. It's uncomfortable to go into these situations that, quite frankly, suck and want to help. Um, in, in this world that everybody tells you, Dylan, worry about yourself. Don't don't worry about everything else. You know, go get yours. Where did that come from where you, you had the initiative to do this stuff? Yes, sir. I, I think that I have an old school mindset, right? Neighbors like this is great. It's a great tool. I can, I can see the value of going out there and, and reaping and getting some money out of this experience. But I started college football where I wasn't getting anything, right? I was getting a great place to live. I was getting you know, free housing. I was getting free food. I was playing football and I was getting a degree. Like that's enough for me. I don't, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need to go out there and get these you know, $50,000 a year contracts, whatever it might be. Like I remember when I was a little kid, like that was the dream. Right. And I think that dream is changing right now, which is sad to say, but call me a college football purist. um, But all that extra stuff was gingerbread on the top. And if I can leverage that gingerbread to do incredible things more than my own personal name image likeness, then I'm going to do that 10 times. You know, um, I I know that I'll have other opportunities in life to make money, um, whether that be playing playing professional football, whether that be leveraging what I've learned in the classroom at Notre Dame or at Florida State, getting my MBA. Um, but while I was here, um, I wanted to do the most radical good I possibly could. Um, I want to try to inspire other athletes to do the same. Just <laughs> so well said. And I think Dylan Mack and I can really relate. We were, uh, we're a little older than you, so we were definitely pre-NIL. But the only dream I had as a kid was to play college basketball. And then I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do after that. And I think Mack was very similar with college football, even though Mac does think he's a hooper, but you know, that's a different story. So we relate very much to that, Dylan. And I just, I really love your perspective on that. Um, We need to talk Florida State here and we need to talk this turnaround because I mean, just unbelievable what you guys have done. And you've been a huge part of this last year. You come to FSU, you graduate from Notre Dame, of course, get that degree. You're getting your MBA. 
And I'm assuming in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I can, I'm from Florida. I want to help turn this program around. You guys start 0 and 4. It was a, I can't imagine that start and just what was going on internally, what you were hearing externally, all that stuff. And then you have this year where you're going for a 10th win. How did that happen? How did the transformation happen from, for you, year one at FSU to year two in the team success? Well, yeah, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a, a cultural shock, not only in the, the type of player that's in the locker room, um, but my first experience through those, those first four games. Um, at Notre Dame, we won, we won a lot of football games. Yeah. Uh, we went to bowl games every year I was there. Uh, we had some undefeated seasons, and overall, we didn't lose many games. And if we lost games, they, they weren't those close games that we lost. It was a, a devastating loss. Um, that, all, that, all that that happened in those first four games, that was completely necessary to have the success we've had this season. Um, something Coach Norvell has done a, a great job of is, is implying or, or putting on a culture into a system and seeing how people react, mm-hmm. right? Creating adverse moments and seeing who goes out there and plays football and, and who, you know, wants to go home, those type situations. Um, so when you do have the, those first four games of last season, um, you get to see what people are made out of. And it really reveals a lot about people's character. I mean, at that point, people at Florida State, or a lot of the athletes at Florida State, weren't really used to winning a lot of games. Um, but when you come into a new season, a new opportunity, and you lose four games right away, it allows you to pinpoint a few guys on the team that aren't necessarily living up to that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those moments that Florida State's been through with Coach Norvell so far has allowed Coach Norvell to point out those differences in young men throughout the locker room. Um, so I, of course, got to see it. On the, like right there in front of me, whether that be in my offensive line room, guys responding to losses, guys responding to adverse situations. Um, but it did help our team because even during my experience at Notre Dame when we were winning a lot of games, right, with guys like Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Sam Mustafer, uh, Alex Bars, I mean, some, some of the great offensive linemen in the NFL right now, um, you got to see complacency through wins, right? And you can see the same thing through losses. But the, the process never changes in win or, wins or losses at Florida State. That's what's remarkable. If we go out and we, we absolutely smoke a team, like, sorry, Miami this year. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, Don't it didn't apologize. Matter. It didn't matter what the outcome was. It didn't matter how bad we beat Miami or if we beat Florida. It didn't matter. All that mattered was the next game. All that mattered was that, that Monday practice or the Tuesday practice, the Sunday practice right after the game. Those next steps of development, uh, those next steps of putting in place a game plan so we can have the same success, that's all that mattered. So even if we lost games, the process was the same as if we were winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even the way they break down film and things like that, like even, even our greatest victories, where you want to sit down and analyze every play that our offensive line you know, uh, did a great job in, we didn't always have time to. You know, It's the same process. It doesn't matter if we won or lost. Um, and I, that's something I really respect Coach Norvell for. And that's something I respect our whole team for and how they've been able to you know, come up in those moments, you know, win those games, and move on very quickly. Um, yeah. And the same when we lost those games. When I look back at the season, and I know this, is, this might make me sound dumb or something, I don't really feel like we lost any games. Like it, I, at least from my, from my performance and the performance of the offensive line and the offense as a whole, it's hard for me to go back and point at like some pivotal moments where our team just completely destructed because it never happened. Our, our team didn't fall apart. When we did you know, get down, we finished the game very strong. And uh, it's hard to pinpoint some moments in the game where I lost any confidence in our team and our ability to come back and win that game. Um, 
It reminded me of how I watch like NFL football games, right? Where, where, game, where teams are always, always in the game. Those guys are out there to make yeah. money. They're out there to get theirs. And there's nothing in the world that could potentially get in the way from us trying to accomplish that goal right. at any point in the game. It doesn't matter about the swing of the crowd, the momentum, whatever it might be. I always felt like we were in those games. So that's been the incredible part um, during my time in between the two different locker rooms. I mean, uh, the cultural value dimensions accepted in, in two, the both locker rooms. We don't have a bunch of cookie-cutter guys at Florida State, and that's what makes it remarkable, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The, the ball I, I get to see all the de- every, every day and all the guys I get to spend time with. We have some really unique pieces, some really unique guys, um, and it's incredible to see that group come together. It's incredible to see guys fighting for each other. In games where we had success in the run game, I mean, that wouldn't have been opened up without our receivers blocking their tails sure. off. Sure. Guys like Johnny, you know, just grabbing dudes and mauling them all the <laughs> way down the field. That stuff isn't highlighted enough. But in our, in our, in our ecosystem, within our offense, that stuff was put up on a pedestal. Um, sacrificing for each other, the consistency for each other, and that day-in, day-out growth is something incredibly, you know, uplifted within our program. I don't think there's any question that that FSU's right here. Like there's a step that can be taken where it's back to the level of dominance. It's back to the level of greatness. And certainly you guys have laid that foundation. You talk about incremental development and, and things taking time and, you know, guys buying in and this and that. This offensive line in the past five years, we'll take this year out of it, was and the last year was horrendous. I mean, it was one of the worst in the entire country. Now it has evolved into the best in the ACC, and in my opinion, one of the best in the country. I don't know how you guys weren't up for the Joe Moore Award. We'll talk about that at another time. Um, yeah. But we saw that right before our eyes. How did that happen so quickly? Yeah, well, one of the easy things to point to, I guess, is Alex Atkins um, and the development that's happened within our offensive line room and having so many awesome individuals that are willing to um, take time of their day to develop this group. Um, you know, it hasn't just been focused on the guys that are you know, up and rising, which is a, a pitfall that programs fall into when they don't have success in their offensive line unit. They're like, hey, these old guys suck. Let's focus on these young guys. Let's get them right. Maybe bring in a couple guys and we'll have a good offensive line here in three or four years. Coach Atkins has done an incredible job, not only in the development side for those younger you know, generations of Florida State offensive linemen, but in the picking a few pivotal pieces we need out of the portal. Um, and that, that, of course, happened with me, yeah. um, me coming to Florida State. But more importantly, guys like Demetri Emanuel, um, guys like, like Jazz and um, wonderful guys like Bless. I mean, those are guys that are ready to come in and play football at, at an elite level. Um, guys that already had understanding coming in uh, of what kind of offense we would be running. And maybe it was similar to what they came from, schemes and, and fit. It was crazy to see a guy, you know, our, our group, we had five guys that played a majority of the games this year. Um, we didn't necessarily have to go to that, that seventh or eighth guy many times this year. But it was crazy to see that continuity being built out of a bunch of pieces that were found from all over college football. And uh, to see that happen, to see us have that kind of success is, is an absolute testament uh, to what he's been able to do in, in, in bringing guys into the program um, and developing guys that have already been here. Because yeah. um, as you pointed to, those offensive line groups of three or four years ago, those are guys that are our pieces in our offensive line right now. Um, guys that had a, a horrible disadvantage, you know, coming into college football, 
not necessarily as developed as you'd like them to be and having to play at an elite level, right? And forced early to have those mistakes. And that is an easy, easy thing to hide from once you've already had that in your career. Mm-hmm. It takes reps out of the body. Um, and it takes, you know, a lot of mental, mental, mental strain to come back from that. No. So it's been great to see the development, especially in those guys that have played a lot of snaps here at Florida State over the past four years. And some of those pieces he brought in, like Meech and Jazz, guys that were able to come in and absolutely manhandle dudes in the ACC. Um, it was amazing to see, and I'm so proud of him, and I'm so proud of all those guys that came in. Dylan, it's finally time in this interview to talk about Cheez-Its, and I know you've been waiting. <laughs> yep, so, Eric telling me he wakes up every morning feeling the cheesiest. I, I just reach cheesiest. over and grab the cheese, and I'm ready, man. Let's go. That's right. And I, So I'm a big Prince Chedward fan. I think he's the weirdest, creepiest mascot ever, and I think it's hilarious. So please say hi to him for me. Um, but let's talk about the cheese bowl And one thing that Mac and we've been breaking down all these bowl games, I think especially now with players opting out and, and all these things, when you're evaluating a bowl game, you need to evaluate which team cares more. I mean, I think that's the bottom line. And when I look at the cheese bowl and I see Florida State going for a 10th win, I really don't care who the opponent is. I mean, Oklahoma's a big brand. I think the 6-6 six and six is, is interesting there. But for me, it's obvious that FSU cares about this game, trying to get that 10th win. How, how important is this bowl game for you and your teammates? Yeah, we care more. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, in our locker room, uh, they just redid Florida State's locker room. It's absolutely amazing. Um, it, it, it's it's absolutely incredible. Nothing like I experienced my whole college career. But um, we have a room. We have a trophy room in there. And uh, right there in the, in the little corner while we're walking into our, our locker room every morning, there's a list of the teams that had 10 win seasons. Mm. And that is something held up pretty high at Florida State. Um, that's something that was addressed to us in the beginning of the season. That's something that's been addressed to us ever ever since we were on this, this path, this trajectory. Um, and that's something that we're all real passionate about. I think that the day and age of, of, of athletes, you know, saying that they're not going to play in bowl games, I think that's over. Um, unless, unless, I guess, there's specific cases of athletes that aren't necessarily playing in these, these bigger bowl games where it could make sense. But for our team, our guys are playing. Um, we're coming out there. We're, we're very excited to have this opportunity to play together. I think I've been saying it since the Clemson game. I mean, every opportunity I've had with this group of guys has been incredible. Um, I have so much trust for the guys next to me, um, with Robert Scott, Maurice Smith, and everybody, everybody else in our offensive line. My relationship with Jordan Travis has developed um, into one of, the, one of my best friends um, over the past two years, someone that I have a lot of respect for and that, that I was up there this weekend at that event. Um, and it's hard for me not to see him there. Um, mm. He is the, the highest level quarterback I've been around over my six years of college football. And it's absolutely remarkable the things he's able to do. When you're talking about a guy that's willing to sacrifice you know, life limb um, to go out there and win <laughs> football games, it's amazing. And the best part about it is we haven't had to do that many times this season. We haven't had, we haven't had to tell Jordan, hey, Jordan, go win this game, you know? <laughs> and uh, to have a guy like that on my team, it's hard not to have that kind of passion going into this week. Yeah. The greatest advantage, too, like I talked about earlier with Coach Norvell, is um, this would be some of these guys' first experience in a bowl game, right? Could be an experience they've never had before in their whole lives. Mm-hmm. This allows our team to get to that, that championship level caliber. Um, and I, I know, I know, Eric. I know you know about this. I mean, the greatest different, differentiator right now from Florida State to a team like Clemson is that Clemson has been there before. Clemson knows how to win games. Clemson, you know, even when I was playing them against Notre Dame, when they got into a tight into a pickle in the fourth quarter, they would go out there and play their hardest they ever have ever ever played. Uh, to go out there and win that game. And it's because of the caliber of games they've been in before, and it's because of that championship you know, level mindset they had. So it provides our team a great opportunity, an opportunity to go out there and win a game that means a lot to us. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it's going to allow for some other distractions to pop up. I mean, as you guys know, we'll have more time as we get to that bowl site. Uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe we'll have three hours of free time at night and it, it dwindles down as the week progresses. Um, but it does give, give our team another opportunity to show what they're made out of. Um, so I'm excited about that test. I'm excited to be able to, you know, hopefully have confidence in our team to be able to come together in a, a time like that um, and perform the way that Florida State's supposed to perform. It doesn't really matter if we're playing. Right. <laughs> That's true. It's all about you. It's all about you. And kind of along that mindset, I mean, what do you, what do you want to see from this team? The last game uh, for a lot of these guys together, what, what do you want to see from your guys going out there in, in, in a game like this? Consistency, effort, sacrifice, and finish. Um, how, how do you tell if someone's committed to a program, right? Um, you tell by, by their, the, how much they're willing to sacrifice for the guy next to them how much they're willing to put in uh, for the guy next to them. And I don't care if, if you're, you're a guy like, uh, I don't know who you want to point to, a guy that's going to be playing in the NFL next year, um, a guy like Fabian Lovett or uh, whoever it might be, Jamie. Right now, it's so pivotal, uh, pivotal in, our, in our trajectory. Um, our performance in this last game, um, our ability to you know, keep performing, especially after a you know, regular season, um, and our ability you know, to keep training. Um, so taking this opportunity, taking it day in, day out, you know, day by day, um, and trying to get 1% better every day um, up until game day and going out there and, and doing our job and um, leaving this place in a better place than we found it. There you go, man. I don't know if you have any eligibility left, but you should come back so we can do this again next year. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> Dylan, you're impressive, brother. I, I've already known that, and it's been fun to cover you these last two years, but very grateful for your time, buddy, and, and excited to see you go out with an exclamation point. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys, and thank you so much for having me on today. Thanks again to Dylan Gibbons for joining us. I mean, what a guy. And go check out Big Man Big Heart. Find it on Twitter. Find their website. Um, if you, A lot of people at times around the holidays want to give contributions and and donate, that would be a great cause. And yep. just thanks again to Dylan. I mean, he's a, he's a CEO. He's got a bunch of things going on, and he spent – like 20 minutes with us, which we really appreciate. <laughs> and as we've said, our podcast is brought to you by Duke's Mayo. And Mac, this is where, dukesmayo.com, by the way, great place to get some mayo for your loved ones for Christmas. On. <laughs> but this is basically the segment where I ask Mac, what you cooking and what yeah. you using from dukesmayo.com? It's, it's on the menu big time this coming tomorrow, actually, the 20th. We're, we're throwing down. We're, we're having a little pre-Christmas celebration, if you will. Uh, my brother-in-law is coming over, Cannon Smith. Shout out, Big Can Dog. Uh, his wife, Ashley, and uh, Khaki's mom and dad, my in-laws, uh, Bill and Beth. Everybody's coming to the house. Little Amelia Rose, her first Christmas. And uh, we're, we're doing a beef tenderloin. Ooh. And let me just tell you, I am over the moon Ooh. excited to do this. Because it's it's not challenging, but it's something I've never done before. And basically, if you don't know what that is, it's this massive slab of meat. And you have to trim it. You have to get all the fat out of there. You can leave a little, but you want a majority of it out. Then you have to wrap it to make sure it's balanced. You want you know kind okay. of similar uh, width, if you will, of your meat throughout the entire deal. And so to, to get this thing really rolling, I'm putting your favorite, the Duke's Mayo mustard oh, yes. all over this thing then just totally layering it up with with some fun you know kind of just different seasonings you know kg that gets you going mm -hmm. yes so that's the, the only duke's part of that and you put it in there you cook it for about an hour low and slow take it off crank that thing up we're going to sear each side for about two to three minutes then mm. it's going to be perfect little fillets it's going to be unbelievable then you have this kind of horseradish mayo sauce duke's mayo will be all over that 
It's, it's yeah. going to oh, be yeah. unbelievable. Course, I cannot Rush, wait. Yeah. The the sauces here that will be combined on this amazing meat dish is really what's going to take it over the top. That little Southern something, I like mm -hmm. to say, KG, uh, that makes good things even better. And you guys will see it. We'll put it in Wednesday's episode. I'll have it all documented. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to have twang, Mac. It'll have twang. It will absolutely It'll have, have twang. twang. Oh, 100 man. 100 years of twang, if you will. Yes. Yes, I will. Um, <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I'm also hungry for some Cheez-Its. The Cheez-It Bowl, number 13, Florida State 9-3 and three versus Oklahoma 6-6. Six and six. This is 5-30 on ESPN on December 29th. Florida State right now is a 7.5-point favorite, and the total is 66. We've talked about, you know, why Oklahoma's in this game. I think we all get it. It's a major brand. You and I have talked about how we would have loved to see FSU Oregon. That would have been a great yes. game, whether that yes. was Cheez-It or whatever. But this is what we have. And if you're Florida State, I mean, we heard Dylan Gibbons say, we care more. He literally right. said that. We care more. Yeah. I think this game m means so much and matters so much to Florida State to get that 10th win in a season where some people were asking, even we were asking, are they going to go bowling because of how tough the schedule is? Right. And this team has just performed above and beyond. And I, I just love what Dylan Gibbons said. We care more. And that's what matters in these games. No, no question about it. And, and quickly, I do want to harp on this one more time. This will be the last time. Out of all the opponents that are in this matchup of the ACC, all nine games, I would argue that this is the worst. Yeah, and it's our but they second had to best go Big team. 12. They had to go yeah, Big 12. Yeah, she had to. I guess. TCU's I hate in the playoff. K-State's in the rules. sugar. That That's kind of the hard part. So it would have been K-State. That's crazy. Yeah, TCU, all you have to do is handle business. And that matchup would have been nuts. Okay, I'm not as mad anymore. I understand. It's just a bad league. There's nobody else around. Uh, so when you look at this, uh, KG, it's, it's really going to be interesting because of that care factor, because of that we have something that we want to accomplish. Ten wins. How important that is to our team the way that we're playing, the, the level that we're playing at, everybody's coming back. There's a lot of excitement, especially on the offensive side of the ball there and the skill players that they have. So I, I think just take that number, throw down. Whatever you can afford, throw down. Because I think that FSU, I think they dominate this game. I think their running attack is going to absolutely blister Oklahoma. I, I think when you look at Jordan Travis and the way that he has played, the confidence that he is playing right now, I don't think he can be stopped. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Oklahoma has a lot missing. These yes. guys, both starting tackles out. Leading rusher who has over half of Oklahoma's carries, more than half of their rushing yards, which that's what they've done. 520 rushing attempts as a team. That's a ton. He's not playing. This Oklahoma team is not going to be the team that you've seen all year. This is going to be a shell of that. And I think – I think Florida State dominates. I think they take full advantage. I don't think they care about the 6-6. Six and six. They don't care about the brand. It's all about them. They want to make a statement. They're going to be preseason top 10 KG. Mm -hmm. I think that's truly going to happen. Well, and this could also be the beginning of Jordan Travis's Heisman campaign. I mean, we've seen Heisman campaigns get going in bowl games. One of them specifically was Lamar Jackson. He had a great bowl game for Louisville the year before he won the Heisman. Yeah. We've seen it happen. So I think that's what we're going to see from Jordan Travis. You yep. heard Dylan Gibbons talk about how good Jordan Travis is. And then just the running back room is elite. These <laughs> receivers are very, very good. Jaheim Bell, of course, can't play yet, but they're bringing him in for next year, which is just scary. And I think for some of these guys whose, whose career is going to be ending at this point, like a Dylan Gibbons, this is what they want. They came to FSU to help turn it around. They did that to put together FSU's first 10-win season since Jimbo Fisher yep. would be a really, really big deal. And for Oklahoma, 
I think because you have the brand, that's going to help. FSU is already going to be up for this game. I'm not questioning that at all. But you do have a big brand, so that, you know, can add to it. Mm -hmm. But you talk about OU's defense going up against FSU's offense. I don't care who's opting out. This defense has been bad. They've yeah. just been so bad this year. Yeah. I mean, they gave up literally 1,000 points to Texas in that um, in that uh, Red River rivalry. As much as Mac and I love Brent Venables and hope Brent Venables succeeds, he has had a lot of work to do, and there's still a lot of work to do with this Oklahoma team. So yeah. you have the brand, which I think will, will bring eyeballs and will make sure FSU's not overlooking anything. But this game – definitely like it, it's FSU's to lose. I really right. don't see how you can make an argument the other way. Right. And, and I think, again, just when you look at who's playing at a super high level, I mean, seeing Trey Benson run the way that he has been, where there was a stretch there, you know, for three or four weeks where, you know, he broke his career, season high, career high. He broke his career high, broke his, like he was just getting better and better and better and better. And, and just playing at this high level with that offensive line that, even if it was a good defense, it's hard to stop. Mind you, not a defense that's given up 500 yards a game, 30-plus right. points. Like It's going to be extremely tough for them. So I think FSU is going to be jacked up. I think that their coaching staff is going to have a plan of attack to you know really get going at, at a very high level. And then, as you said, that that hype for next season is, is going to be big time. So excited to see it. Can't wait to see it. Um, this is the easiest pick of the bowl season for me, KG. I'm, I'm rocking with the Knowles. I think that they absolutely handle business and make a statement in this game. Why is FSU only a seven and a half point favorite? I don't know. I have no the idea. Oklahoma factor. Like well, this game's I in think, Orlando. Yeah, you, you look at history. I mean, I think FSU's beaten these guys like once. I think yeah, they're like but they one haven't played 12. that much in recent years. I don't know. I agree. I agree with you. But yeah, the, the home field advantage piece in Orlando. I don't know. I don't know. Vegas sometimes always knows. Uh, certain teams they don't. Seems fishy. It's a little fishy, and it's still it's like fishy. it's been seven and a half since the game kind of was out. Maybe no one's biting on it. I don't know. Not a lot of action. Hmm. I'm not sure. Well, FSU can prove Vegas wrong, I guess, with this at seven and a half. I think Show we're wrong. We're both taking FSU minus seven and a half. What about that total, sixty six? That's a lot. I mean, I, I just don't know how. Oklahoma's going to score. I mean, I, I know that Gabriel's a, a great player. He's had a, a up and down season. I mean, there's been you know spots where like, wow, that, that's it. But just missing those two tackles, I think Jared Verse is going to go nuts. I, I think Gabriel's going to have to be running for his life there. Um, I think under is the really smart play. Unless, I'm leaning under. Unless too. you just think FSU's going to air these guys out, um, I think under is the way to go. Think about you know 35 to 10. That's way right. under. Right. So that's kind yeah. of where where I would see this. Even at like a 35 to 17. Yeah. I will say under. this, though. I will say, which is, this is intriguing to me. There there have been people on the Twitter sphere mm. uh, that, that really don't believe in Florida State's pass defense. Interesting. Statistically, I don't understand that because they're number one in the ACC and like top five in the country. So you can argue that maybe they haven't played the best quarterbacks. This may be the, the better quarterback they've played in quite some time. But I just, I still don't. But where see are the it. weapons? I, that's exactly right. I just don't see it. I don't see it. And, that, and they don't, they don't pass. They run. They literally yeah. have run more than double of what they've passed. They're, they're not just going to all of a sudden become an air out team, air raid team. Maybe it was the points and yards they gave up to Florida, and that's what Vegas is looking that's at. It's a rivalry, though. It, yeah. Vegas, like, take a note out of the history books. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Florida State minus seven and a half, and the under. That's where I'm going, Mac. Take, I think this game's pretty, pretty easy to pick. 
stealing money. It's stealing money, in my opinion, KG. But great episode. This was fun. Dylan was, uh, like we said, one of the best we've ever had, if not the best. Big shout out to Derek Satterfield making it happen. We appreciate you, brother, coordinating. Uh, you know, <laughs> big man had just landed from like New York. He's back home. He's trying to have family time. He's big time. And luckily enough, he, he jumps on with us. So we're greatly appreciate Dylan of his time. Great family. Love conversing with a lot of those uh, family members on Twitter going back and forth. Uh, he, he was he was raised the right way and has a great cast around him. But that's it from us, guys. Please go over to YouTube right now. If you're watching us, mash that subscribe button. If you're listening to us, hop over there, search Gramlick and Mac Lane. We would appreciate your support there as well. You can also go over to iTunes. We're all over that. Rate, review, subscribe. So fun to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.